This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. On a Statements Monday here, Mackie on the road, traveling. Nice little hotel here. Surprise, Arizona. Hanging out with my dad, watching, teaching him about the U.S. Open. He's like, why aren't these guys like 15 or 20 under par? Usually the tournaments I watch, they're like 20 under par. I'm like, Dad, it's because they grow the, the rough up to your knees, basically, and make the best players in the world look like idiots. It's a blast every single year. That was a fun final day, man. God, was that fun. Just melting down and stuff. It's great. Um, let's get right started here with statements on this Monday because our guy Shams is already throwing out little, I don't know if they're like Shams bombs, but they're definitely little like Shams grenades that he's just tossing out here. And Woj don't like those. No, that's definitely infringing on Woj's. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, those guys worked together at Yahoo like six Mm -hmm. years ago too, just breaking all of the news under one outlet. But, um, statement number one is I think Tim Connolly is feeling splashy. This is from Shams in The Athletic this morning. This initial article was about Kyrie Irving and how uh, the the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie have reached some sort of a a crossroads and they might wind up trading him to the Lakers or the Knicks. And then there's all sorts of other fallout in this article of how that or other things could impact other teams. And he gets to the Timberwolves in this article and he writes, the Timberwolves have discussed deals around veteran centers, including Atlanta's Clint Capella. Ooh. Sources said, one sentence, no other details. He just floats <laughs> Clint Capella's name. I love it. Out to the Timberwolves that they have discussed deals around veteran centers, including Atlanta's Clint Capella. Sources said, what do you think about this? I think it makes a ton of sense, right? I guess the question is this, um, and we don't know this about Conley, and certainly he he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to make moves reactively, but what we don't know, and this is the case with everyone who comes in and takes a job, is how quickly do they want to get things done? Like, do they want to lay off the gas pedal for a second and see how things are going? Do they think, you know what? Chris Finch and I are friends. This team is set to pop to a certain point. And so I find this incredibly intriguing. And I actually think the next few months, if you're a Wolves fan, could be fantastic. Because you've got a guy in place who has been around, who is respected, who you would assume is going to make the correct moves. And if he starts to wheel and deal... If he starts, if he gets involved in the July frenzy, I've always said this, the NBA (laughs) season is not the most fun. The off season is cocaine for reckless speculation. (laughs) So, but, but I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Like if you pair, if you pair cat with a guy like this, man, it takes a big step towards basically. And this is the one thing where I will side a little bit with cat last year, Phil, it takes a large step towards defining Cat's exact role as opposed to can you do two things at once at certain times? Or, you know, Nas might help, but he also might not. 
It's so interesting. Yeah, I think, first of all, we don't know what Tim Connolly, is he going to sit back and just want to soak some things in and kind of run this thing back for one more year and then enter next summer with 50 or $60 million in cap space? Or does he want to make a deal now to improve the team if there's a player like Clint Capella available for trade? So uh, so here, here's sort of the, the landscape of, of Clint Capella. I think he'd be a great fit personally. He's six foot ten. He led the NBA in rebounding two years ago, which is one of the Timberwolves' biggest issues, right? They just I mean, look at how many offensive rebounds Memphis grabbed in some of those games in that playoff series. And in fairness, Memphis is one of the best. I think they are the best offensive rebounding team in the NBA, but you need someone in that mix that can thwart those rebounding runs that opposing teams go on. So he's six foot ten, led the NBA in rebounding two years ago, rim protector. He allows Jared Vanderbilt to then move to the bench for depth. He's got three years, $60 million left on his contract, and he just turned 28 years old. So this isn't like a an expiring contract dump trade, right? You're, you're going to have to give up something of substance, a player and at least a draft pick or two probably to get Clint Capella. The only real issue I see is much like Rudy Gobert in Utah. So he doesn't shoot from the outside. Mm-hmm. He's strictly a rim-protecting, rebounding paint player who's going to bang around, right? If opposing teams can put small lineups out on the court, you can sort of, if you look at Clint Capella's playoff stats in his career with Houston and Atlanta, there's a huge drop off in points, in shot attempts, in minutes in some series because some teams have figured out with smaller lineups how to just sort of take him out. But over the course of an 82 game regular season, he helped solve a lot of problems for the Timberwolves. And I think you would just have to sort of figure out, okay, can you put Cat and Capella on the court at the same time against some really good smaller lineups that, you know, opposing Western Conference playoff teams could put out there. But on the surface, that's a tomorrow problem. If you right. can get a guy like Clint Capella, and I'd love to see an official price tag on this, what is it going to cost? If I have to give up Jaden McDaniels, probably not going to do it. If I can give up a couple draft picks or something, and maybe Malik Beasley's contract, I probably consider it. So it's all about the price tag. But it's just like, I love how Shams writes this 2,000-word article and just like right in the middle of it, one sentence, oh, by the way, one of the best rebounding big men in the NBA is uh, is being sniffed around by the Timberwolves. No other information, no other content. You know what? Bravo, Shams. <laughs> he leads the RS lifestyle, the reckless speculation <laughs> lifestyle that we long ago here embraced. Shams, yes. all in. That's what's great about this. There is no better... Uh, um, off-season period, I don't think, than this, than this league. Football might be, but football feels like it's Mark. I mean, basketball, you just have more crap thrown against the, the wall, which is absolutely fantastic. But half of it happens. That's I the know. thing about the NBA. It's I, like, I don't have any problem with that, too. I feel like the Major League Baseball trade deadline is always a bunch of hypotheticals. Yeah. That, like, maybe one big trade happens or two big trades. In the NBA... You have these ridiculous conversations. What if LeBron signed with the Lakers? Oh, that'd be crazy. What if What if Kevin Durant left the Thunder and then signed with the Warriors? Could you believe if that happened? It happens. Like 80% of this <laughs> yes. stuff actually happens. <laughs> Bravo. That's what I love so, about it. And so I think that you know, the question then would be, what do you have to give up? What would your starting five look like? Um, you know, Is it Clint Capella? Cat moves to the four. Mm-hmm. I think the answer is yes. So now you have you have a six foot 10 and a seven footer one. That's the greatest shooting big man of all time statistically. And then one of the best rebounders rim protectors playing next to each other. And then I think you would have, this might be independent of a D move, but if you keep D for one more year, then your backcourt is D Anthony Edwards. If you want to go small, it's Patrick Beverly. If he's still around, if you don't have to use him in one of these trades, 
uh, or Jaden McDaniels just slides back into your to your starting five. So many possibilities. Jared Vanderbilt moves to the bench as an energy guy. Uh, That'd so be ideal, I, wouldn't I, it? I just I'm all in on this Clint Capella reckless speculation. <laughs> I, love, I love it. I love it. Yes. So yeah, I wanted to bring that to the table on all this right, Monday. Well, I will when give you wake you... up on a Monday and you're just like, oh, Shams is floating Clint Capella to the Timberwolves. Let's do it. I will give you a statement too off of that point to sort of answer mine and our own question that we just asked. And my statement is this: I don't sense patience. All right, it's very clear. Lori and A-Rod, to a large degree now, while they don't own this team completely, have taken control. You know, for lack of a better term, perhaps, they have hijacked the Wolves' play. Like, they are now in charge of the play. And Glenn's along for the ride. I mean, he's still there. Don't get me wrong. He's in first class. But it's if, a friendly hijack. Yes, It's a exactly friendly hijacking. Right. But they're running. Take tennis shoes. And, exactly yeah, right. But they're flying this plane. Um, and, and so I do have questions about... Conley, who seems like a, a, a meticulous type of guy, more so like like he does seem like he might very well enjoy slow cooking things, observing things, and then starting to make moves. That being said, if you're brought on board by guys who are like, ah, ah it's go time. Like we should have beaten Memphis first round. We should have won that series. Why didn't we? How can we fix that? We, we think that, that we've got the coach in place. We've certainly got two stars here. Um, so to answer my own question, while Tim Conley m- might be like, yeah, it'd be nice just to take a year here, uh, see you know how much cap space we can potentially free up a year from now in the summertime. I don't sense, especially with Mark Phil, I don't sense a guy who's going to be like, oh, this is great. Let's just wait. I sense a guy who is an action guy. Um, And I also sense that, look, there is a whole business side here that is extremely important. Ticket sales. Uh, Eventually, and I'm sure they they hope as soon as possible, arena. Things like that. And so if you're going to be like, well, yeah, I mean, we'll probably make the playoffs next year playing team, but, you know, who, who knows? I think Mark would say, no, 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 no. We did that this season, right? We have every intention now of being in that top six next year. So I think that there's a very good chance that Conley came aboard being urged to be aggressive because I think these guys are, t- I think these guys know that they have taken over what has traditionally been a loser of a franchise. I think that they've certainly taken hold on the decision making process now. And that is going to, in turn, probably cause expedited moves to try and get out of that situation as soon as possible. And that's fine. And I and I'm I'm in that camp too. Of let's listen. This isn't like a five year slow cooking here. Cat is in his prime, and he's going to sign a super max contract. And by the way, seven footers with some injury history, which he has aren't reliable well into their 30s. And so you know, maybe you're looking at three to five years of Carl Anthony Towns here. Anthony Edwards going into year three, emerging into his prime. So I understand, let's go. Let's put some pieces around this thing. The mistake that I would look to avoid is what Tom Thibodeau did, which is, okay, I've got some, I've got three really good young players here, mm-hmm. and Cat was one of them. And obviously that you know he was five years younger at that time. I'm going to start trading from that pool of young players so that we can bring in veteran players to get us to the playoffs, right? I, I, th- I think the ceiling for this team, if they keep Cat, and again, I have huge questions about Cat, but they're going to sign him to a Supermax, and they're going to try and you know find the best version of him. 
and get him to not foul out of every playoff game. But if you keep Cat, Anthony Edwards, and Jaden McDaniels together, that's yep. the number one priority for me. And then everything else around it is wide open for trade or negotiation or what have you. Mm-hmm. I would be like if they traded Jaden McDaniels for Clint Capella. I don't know how I would feel about that. I would almost feel like, okay, you're cutting off your 2024-25 part of the window because maybe you can get up to the five seed in the Western Conference this year. So if there's a way to add pieces like Capella without giving up, and you're not trading, you're not trading Anthony Edwards, but without giving up Jade McDaniels, that would be ideal. Do you think though that Conley is in place because of the faith that he will be, or he is is far more functional in that role than Tibbs was? Because I like I think they're trying to get the right people here, but I don't think that there's a lot of patience, if that makes sense. Where Tibbs didn't have patience, but Tibbs also. Like, Tibbs never thought about Friday on Tuesday. Never. It was always, what are we doing tonight? What? What? I think Conley is definitely um, a more advanced, smarter executive. So I wonder if the thought process from, from the ownership group on down is that he's going to have a far better opportunity to try and maximize the now and the future than Tibbs did because Tibbs in patience in every way, like coaching too, um, I think ultimately hurt the team because there was no view of tomorrow. It was always tonight. Yeah. I mean, Tim Connolly is, I think a hundred times the front office executive that Tom Thibodeau has been. That's not even, I mean, you know why Tom Thibodeau wanted that job other than, Oh, you're going to pay me $8 million a year. Yeah. I guess I can do both. I'm not married. I don't have kids. Right. <laughs> I've got time. I thought he could do it. <laughs> Eagle. And then so immediately he said, "Okay, I'm going to listen to Tom Thibodeau, the coach, and say let's get rid of let's get rid of Zach Levine. Let's you know let's 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 try and draft NBA ready quote unquote players who can play defense. Never mind the fact that they can't shoot, right? Chris Dunn, <laughs> yeah, poor guy. So yeah, I mean, I don't even think it's. I, I think you can, I think you can operate in a smart way while still having some urgency, and that's what I want to see here. But at the same time, I don't think they should be." ignoring the fact that they might have 50 or $60 million next summer if they play their cards right. So is Clint Capella the type of guy that makes you feel like, okay, so he's going to eat up $20 million of next summer's number while you also go into an Anthony Edwards potential contract discussion, Jay McDaniels for the following years. Mm-hmm. Is he worth having around at age 28, 29, 30 at $20 million a year eating up some of that money for next summer? I think he is. Okay. So he's he's one of those players that I would absolutely – make the trade for. And here's my next statement, because this all kind of weaves together. I'm starting to question whether Patrick Beverly wants to play for the Timberwolves next season. Now, we don't have this clip. I've, I've, I should have sent it to AJ before, but I have the transcript of an interaction between Patrick Beverly and Jay Williams on one of the ESPN shows late last week. Okay. Have you caught wind of any of this? This is like last Thursday or Friday. No. I just saw this on Sunday. No. So Jay Williams goes, they're talking about the Mammy Heat. And Jay Williams says, what's going to happen with the Miami Heat? Are they going to be able to get a guy like Bradley Beal? Will they get a guy like Donovan Mitchell to be partners with Jimmy Butler? And Patrick Beverly cuts him off and says, will they trade for Patrick Beverly? And Jay Williams says, will the Heat trade for Patrick Beverly? I don't know. I like that you said that. And Pat Bev says, yeah, say it. You can say it. And Williams goes, well, you said it for me, but I'll keep saying it from now on. And Pat Bev goes, it's not the NBA channel. It's ESPN. We can say anything we want. And it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek sort of back and forth between the two guys. But you can never quite tell with Pat Bev because he's 
fully transparent and honest, right? He's usually yes. just saying what he what he really thinks. No filter. I think that was sort of his way of saying, not that he like wants to leave the Timberwolves, but sort of saying, boy, the Miami Heat seem like they're one piece away from having won a Game 7 and then maybe having gotten to an NBA Finals, and maybe I'm the piece that can get them there. I thought that was really, really interesting. And he seems like a prototypical Heat culture type of a guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you've got you literally have Patrick Beverly on ESPN sort of pandering to the Miami Heat and trying to recruit the Miami Heat sort of tongue in cheek. But knowing him, not really. Oh, what would a locker room with the two B's in there look like Beverly and Butler? What would oh that room look? I mean, you talk about volatile. You talk about like a blow up. Oh, my. I mean, if nothing else, they they would stir up so much crap. It would be phenomenal. It'd be thirty. I for think. 30 I think sure. he. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank I you think so he much. thinks he's the final piece to a Heat championship. Okay. So I, I guess don't my, see my that. Qu- Do you see that? Like I thought he was good here as far as a chemistry guy goes, and I love the fact that he works hard. I don't know at his age and with his inability to stay on the court that he's the final piece to their puzzle. But if you would have plopped Patrick Beverly into that playoff series, I think the Heat beat the Celtics. I don't know if the Heat beat the Warriors, but I right. think the Heat beat the Celtics and get to the finals. So it's it's really interesting. So I guess my question off that statement is, listen, he's 34. This was uh, the most games he's played in three years. He played 58 games this season. So he was at which, you know, 82 game season that not exactly Mr. Durability, but right. you know, um, his personality is not exactly a long-term personality for all these reasons. Would you consider selling high on Patrick Beverly in the next month? Depends on what high would be. I, I mean, yes, I would consider it. Um, I think he was a pretty important piece of this team, but that is the question. When does the shelf life end? And I think it's probably got two years, so I think it's not done yet, but Two more years or like one? Um, no, like no, one... at least one more year. Um, this uh, year that we just completed and then next for sure. I think it probably has a shelf life there. But when you say, would you consider selling high? I guess my question is, what would I get back? Because like, I wouldn't dismiss it. It's not like, oh, you can't trade him. So depending on what I could get back, I would certainly consider it. It's so interesting because I think I, I think he probably adds more value to this team this year than he would get in a trade in terms of value. Because right. I, I mean, look what the Wolves got him for. The Wolves got yeah. him for Hernan Gomez and Jarrett Culver. So I, you know, and, and is, is his value higher now than it was a year ago? Probably, but his injury history, his age, the fact that he is he is a role player and he can be a little bit grating, but he's been great for this team. I just think it's interesting if he came to the front office and said, listen, guys, um, I like being here, but my clock is ticking and the Miami Heat are a really interesting fit. If he just if 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 he was open to it, if you said, well, man, you've been great for this culture, but what are the chances that you're going to play 58 games again? I mean, he has he doesn't he's he's hurt all the time in his career mm-hmm. and it's a it's a real thing and he's not getting any younger. And so I guess I. Is he going to be more valuable to you in in playing half the games this year and just being a presence around? Or has that work already been done in his one year here and you can get something of value? I would tend to keep him, but I just think it's interesting he's on ESPN floating this stuff out there. <laughs> and you don't know with him. You're you're right though. Like you have no idea. Uh so what what would be what would you take back? If he came to you and said that, what would you as Tim Conley 
need back to trade him? Because, I mean, it's not going to be a haul, but it could be something. It's so hard. I mean, it would almost have to be part of a multi-team trade. Would I include his salary in a and and draft picks in a bigger trade for a star player? Yeah, like if for some reason Donovan Mitchell was available and I had to trade D'Lo and Patrick Beverly's contracts in, in a draft pick or something. Yeah, like, okay. But am I going to trade him just for a, a first round pick and a in a contract filler? No, I'm not. I'm not looking to trade Patrick Beverly. I agree with that. There are other contracts on this team, Malik Beasley being probably number one, yeah. that I would much prefer to include as a contract matching guy than Patrick Beverly. I think on the floor and probably more importantly off of it, he brings something to a lot of guys on this team that if he's gone is going to be lacking at least next season. Um, I think after that, Ant can pretty much take care of things. Like, like I think Ant is going to a place where he is just going to, to be the guy, uh, both on the floor and off. Like, he's just going to basically be the captain, because I just don't think Cat is. Um, when you say going to a place, you mean like staying here, but going no, to no, a place. No, no, he's going own. to a place in his career, I'm okay, sorry. Okay, just so, want to like, make sure no, here. Okay, because we're, we're slinging around trades here. And you, he's, a se- he's ascending to a place okay. where Ant is going to be what – he's going to be the guy that everybody looks to. And he's going in this to be place, the guy in this, in this, place, in this place, in this locker room, okay. with this team, playing in a, a, a shiny new arena – Ant is going to be the guy who basically lays down the law. But that being said, I don't think having uh, Beverly around in 2022-23 is a bad thing. So I am with you. I'm not looking to trade him, but if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'll give you this, I'm not going to say, oh, we cannot talk about trading Patrick Beverly ever. Click. So. <laughs> Never. By the way, if if you're if you're feeling good about some of these players we're talking about, and you're looking to get a sweat on some of their games for the upcoming season, or if you're looking at maybe the football season coming up, we have discovered the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports, and it's Underdog Fantasy and the Underdog Fantasy app. It's so easy; Judd can use it. I did on Saturday. Just, it's great. You can open it up, and you can draft either. You can, if you want to draft, for instance, for uh, the hockey game tonight, you can draft a team full of players. Uh, and go up against other uh, teams in small pods. You can draft season-long for the football season coming up. And the Pick'em games allow you to win up to 20 times your money in one night by just picking overs and unders on your favorite or least favorite players. Sign up now with the promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, and Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit up to $100 bonus cash. And you can help us by using that promo code SCORE as well. Also, a shout-out to our friends at Dennis Kirk. It is writing season which means Dennis Kirk has you covered with over 160,000 parts and accessories in stock. Uh, They do same-day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m., and uh, you can find out more about how to ride more and wait less at DennisKirk.com. Judd? I've got one more Wolves for you, and it's this. That's no fun. So this morning in my work email from sportsbetting.ag, Bradley Beal odds, which teams he might be dealt to, okay? Bradley Beal odds. Celtics, 3-1, Trailblazers, 4-1, Heat, 5-1, Nets, 6-1, and so on and so forth, down a lengthy list of teams. You know who's not included? Who's not even included? (laughs) Not even as a long shot? The Timberwolves. 
I'm okay with this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the NBA offseason. It is reckless speculation. I want the team in my market included in everything. I don't care how ridiculous it might seem. I want my team included in all of this because it makes the speculation more fun. And our goal in life here is to speculate and have fun doing so. Just put him, put the Wolves last. That's fine. But give you give them a shot to at least for us to talk about them. I don't know that he. I don't know that he fits. Like I get that he can. He's he's kind of a combo guard. He can play some point guard, but um, he's a he's a scoring shoot. He's a scoring and shooting guard at heart. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Do you put do you put him and Anthony I Edwards in the same backcourt li- for a couple of years? I want him on okay. the list. I want him as a long shot. It's fine. I want to be able to incorporate the Timberwolves into all of these <laughs> reckless speculation discussions. That's the point of the statement. He is a fun player, man, and he uh, defense optional with that guy. But yeah, he averaged thirty points a game in the two years before last year. He had some injury things last year and stuff, and uh, he just looked depressed on the bench every single night. He is <laughs> so like stuck there. Memes. He has been so <laughs> stuck with that team, and that team has been just what a con- it seems like a continual disaster in the last X yeah. amount of years. Yeah, so you're more just mad that they're not even in the conversation. Yes. Oh yeah, the, I don't the 15 care. teams on this. Yeah, list. Okay. I mean, if you're going to put 15 teams, put a 16th and make it the Timberwolves. Well, okay, well, what's your okay? Well, then here's what we do. Okay, listen, we can move the needle a little bit here. What is your proposal that makes sense to get? Yeah, I think you have to throw something out that makes sense. That would okay, okay, yeah. The odds makers would say that trade makes total sense. Let's put the Wolves at 15 to one on this list. Oh, geez. You got to move D'Lo because because I think Beal makes yeah, he makes 40 million dollars a year or something. Yeah, Let's I'd be here. fine with that part of it. So would you. Bradley Beal. So actually, it's funny. He uh, so he has a player option for this upcoming season. I don't know that he has opted into that yet, but mm-hmm. it's for $37 million. So, you know, listen, if he wants to opt in, I don't know how this would work. Would you? Would he opt in and then you would swap D'Lo, one year of D'Lo for and something else because you got to make it match. You have to throw in like six extra million dollars for one year of Bradley Beal and just do a do a swap. Yes, absolutely. I'd love to talk about it. Volume shooting yes. uh, combo guards. Yes, that's the the goal is to <laughs> the goal is to have more discussion points. Damn it, and it's okay. fun. That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, I'll throw one more at you here. One more wolf statement. Right now, here's my statement. I am leaning toward. Just keeping D'Angelo Russell for a year, unless you listen. If there's some way to get one year of, if you think if if the front office and Chris Finch think that one year of Miles Turner, and then you know Jordan McLaughlin being the starting point guard is better than what they currently have because they just don't have any big men, then I will listen to that. But I am so intrigued by having that much cap space next summer. Not necessarily for free agents because I know that the Wolves aren't going to be the top destination for free agents, but just to have cushion for a trade. Like if there was another Bradley Beal out there and you needed $40 million to absorb in a trade for picks or something, I'm I'm not just going to trade d at the expense of putting a mediocre player on the roster that takes up next year's cap space, if that makes sense. Makes perfect so sense. I am, Absolutely. I am, I am out on d long-term, but I'm yep. willing to be patient for one season if they don't find the right deal. Let's talk about what you just said because I, I think you just brought, brought up... Um, and look, what you said's not wrong, but I think that there is a perspective right now that's going to change a bit, okay? I think we're falling too much and we we used to to discuss this on the old show a lot um and it feels like now it's the pendulum has swung a different way. Um but you are right. Minnesota is never going to be like the destination. Like 
the Heat, the Lakers. I get all that. But you know what? I think as this thing, and hopefully I'm right here, but I think as this thing evolves and changes, and, and the structure of this franchise is run by competent, perhaps, dare I say, cool people, um, I think, look, the dude takes off his shoes. Mark Laurie takes off his shoes. Players are going to love that stuff. And I this guarantee is, this you, is a, what? This is how low the bar is with the Timberwolves ownership right now. That like, we're just, we're, we're just like praising them because they're kind of, they're like cooler than Glenn Taylor. Yes. Who wears, Mr. Rogers, who wears late owns, 80s sweaters. Mr. Rogers owns the Timberwolves, man. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful, so look. My point is this. I think that we need to at least um, rethink our feelings about players cu- coming here a bit because I think that what you're going to see is a very eventually here, probably soon, Mark Cuban-like approach, though, to player comfort, to to making this a desirable franchise. Like, I get the fact that snow is here and it's cold, okay? The city is never going to be the place. But... I think there's also a discussion, Phil, to be had about franchises, right? Like, what's the perception of your franchise? And, like, what Cuban did in Dallas was incredibly important because he completely changed the perception from a player's perspective of the franchise. So I do believe that there's going to be an evolution here that's going to be important about the perception of the Wolves franchise that is at least going to change things quite a bit from from the norm, which has been the fact that Mr. Rogers runs the Timberwolves. Well, I will have you know, both you guys, I did watch the JLo documentary on Hulu or Netflix or whatever it was this last weekend, and um, she completely edited all A-Rod scenes out of the documentary because their breakup was so bad and they were so disgruntled. Okay, so... The last person to get married to A-Rod or to get engaged to A-Rod in this case, because this is an engagement with Mark Laurie and A-Rod. They are not married to the Timberwolves yet. Yep. Until the end of 2023. Yep. Okay. It it, it blew up in her face. So just want to, you know, I don't want to put the Mark Cuban thing on these guys quite yet. I am excited as well. <laughs> A-Rod. I, I, I trust A-Rod. I don't I I have been, I believe, on record as saying I don't think he's around in five years. I think he's out in five years. I think he thinks this is cool, and I think he's part of of this thing. But I think Laurie is the guy who's going to drive this ship, and and I think yeah, I he's think the right. one. I think that within five years that there will be investors involved, but Alex Rodriguez won't be one. That's just a total guess. I agree on Laurie driving the bus. I disagree on Arod being out unless there's some sort of like huge falling out between these two guys. There's no reason to get. <laughs> There's no reason to get out of an NBA franchise in the next five years if you're if you're taking over the 26th val, you know valued franchise. But you just said it. The only way is up for these franchises. But you just said it. Blow up, blow up. New York Post every day. It'll be glorious. <laughs> Tabloid headlines. Oh He's no, a Rod. No, but I'm saying, but but dude, he you just you just talked about his breakup. The breakup. I'm saying of his I'm relationship. I'm saying before what I'm saying is b- before the marriage is consummated in late yeah. 2023, I have worries about A-Rod. Once it's yeah. consummated, he's going to be an owner of the Timberwolves. No. Yeah. So there's like there's like 15 months of I don't know about A-Rod this. A-Rod drove we'll J-Lo back to Ben Affleck, one of the worst relationships in the history 
the history of dating, okay? That's all you need to, to know about just how toxic he must have been. <laughs> Speaking of toxic, uh, let's talk about the uh, the Twins this weekend against yeah. a bad National League team. 3-3 three, three on the road trip. I know some inconsistency, but how would you sum it up? Overall happy with a lot of things you saw or things to work on, you think? I mean, for the most part, I was pleased with what we saw. Obviously, um, tough way to end the road trip. You know, we, we played some good baseball on this road trip. Um, probably played uh, one of our tougher games you know overall days um today at the end which you know that doesn't feel good but we'll be fine we'll uh, regroup and um be ready to go on tuesday all right judd since I, I know you love the the positive spinning questions after uh, blowout losses more than anyone why don't you start us off on the second chunk of statements here on Mackey and judd judd zolgad is going to sports dad is going to look ahead not behind because that's the type of positivity i bring all right and my statement is very very simple Bring on the Guardians. Bring on Cleveland. Uh, So Cleveland, I believe, won two or three against the Dodgers in Los Angeles over the weekend, while the Twins dropped two or three against the D-backs. And now, if I'm not mistaken, Cleveland is only one game back in the American League Central. The Guardians will be here at Target Field Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The Twins then play three games at Target Field against the Rockies before going to Cleveland for five games. Eight of the next 11 games are against the Guardians, all right? Um, There are, by my count, 16 games remaining between these two teams, including five more in Cleveland in September. The point being is I think the champion of the division is largely going to be decided Head to head, and I can't wait. Bring on the Guardians. Yeah, this is this is so interesting. Uh, the Twins over the last month too, and yes, they they've shown some bright stretches. They you know without any of their top starting pitchers, a bunch of guys on the COVID list. They go on that that nine game stretch and they play five and four baseball against the best teams in the American League East. So there's been some good things, but overall, over the last month, the Twins are eleven and fourteen. And that includes losing series against the Diamondbacks and the Tigers. So um, they only have a one-game lead over the Guardians going into this stretch of of eight games against them in 11. And the Guardians are supposed to be tanking this year. That's the crazy thing about that franchise. They strip their payroll all the way down. Nobody goes to those games. And they're sitting here with a chance to take over the American League Central. Uh, Baseball's weird, and the Guardians are weird. I'm going to give you actually... I'm going to piggyback with because my first statement is about the Guardians. So I worry that the Twins weren't quite able to capture the pitching development magic when they hired Derek Falvey <laughs> away from the Guardians. Okay, if you've been paying attention to the Guardians the last five or six years, they haven't missed a beat. Okay, so while the Twins are running out guys like Chris Archer trying to tap into the end of his career, my guy Dylan Bundy, who you can apologize to for his great start I got on sta- Saturday, I got a statement on that. <laughs> Okay, we'll get to it. We'll wait for it. Uh, the Guardians just keep pumping dudes out, either via trade or draft. I mean, look at just right now on their active roster. Shane Bieber, you know, what was he, like a fourth-round pick, turned Cy Young Award winner. Uh, Tristan McKenzie has been one of the better starters in the American League this year. He was a first-round pick that's totally panned out. In their bullpen, Emmanuel uh, Classe is a lights-out closer that they got just in that Corey Kluber trade with Texas, just kind of a... You know, just kind of a guy yep. that they've developed. Eli Morgan was an eighth-round pick. He's their lights-out setup guy, striking out, what, 12 batters per nine. And then Sam Hentges, Minnesota's own Sam Hentges, was a fourth-round pick. Yep. And he's dominating. In those. I just And there's more, too, by the way. They've got, like, three other guys with 12 strikeouts per nine. 
they try to they try to tank, they try to strip their payroll down, and they just keep purging these amazing starting pitchers and relievers out of their system. And the, the and the Twins are playing the waiver game basically every week to try and you know keep their bullpen intact. So I just I don't know, man. Whatever Cleveland was doing over there, I totally get why you'd want to hire someone from the center of that front office, but uh, they don't seem to have missed Falvey, and Falvey hasn't been able to capture that same Guardians magic in this front office. So hmm. get to stare at it face to face here eight times in the next eleven games. I, I do think that they're going to miss they're going to miss Bieber and Quantrell. I, I think both of them pitched the past uh, two days, so that's mm-hmm. the that's the good news. But you know what? The division will be decided. I mean, it's sixteen games left, so it'll be fun. I'm very yeah. curious. I'm very positive. Um, all right, let me see what my next statement is. Oh, okay, I'll get right to it. The moment you've all been waiting for, the moment that everybody has been uh, uh, tormenting me on Twitter about, my statement is, sorry seems to be the hardest word. Thank you very much, Elton John. All right, so am I going to apologize to Dylan Bundy? Am I going what to... A, what a start. Saturday, what a start for Dylan Bundy. Saturday, one run, four hits, seven strikeouts. Twins win 11-1. to one. He goes eight innings. Rocco, where did that come from? Because Chris Archer got uh, yanked after four and 60-some pitches on Sunday. I don't completely we'll, get, we'll get ta- We'll talk about that, too. I don't completely yeah. get that one. But anyway, am I going to apologize to the veteran Dylan Bundy? I'm going to say one thing to Dylan Bundy. Do it again and again and again, and you get your apology, and here's why. In the previous seven starts before the the Colfaxian masterpiece, the Drysdalian piece of pitching magic that we saw on Saturday night, Dylan Bundy, 851 ERA. Opponents were batting 346 against him, and to make Phil happy, his FIP, fielding independent pitching, was still 673. No, I'm not going to. I am going to say do it listen, again. You're, do it listen, again wind, and again the wind, and again. The wind in Toronto. Yeah, the wind yep, in Toronto. Yep. Those Yankees hitters are all on steroids. You yep. can't. You basically have to throw those two games out. Okay. okay uh, the, Baltimore, the, the Baltimore game, wasn't he pitching on two days rest in that Baltimore game? No. And he's just, I, I, I feel like you're. No, no. no I he, feel like you're misremembering, no, he maybe. He was not. <laughs> so Dylan Bondi, eight innings, though, man. What the hell got into Rocco? All they really need from him is just listen. You don't have to do that every night, but just you know, just be a number five starter. Just be stable. Just go out there. So, I'm, and I'm glad you brought up Bundy here. And if he does it one more time, I think you should apologize. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, so here, the eight innings thing is a big deal because here's my next statement: What the Twins are trying to do with their bullpen is completely unsustainable. So yesterday, Chris Archer comes in, and he's been he's been fine this season. And I get that he's not going to go seven or eight innings. I totally understand that. You're not you're not going to run him out there for 110 pitches. He's had some major injury problems, so I I totally understand that. I'm not asking for him to be a horse like maybe he was you know earlier in his career. But he's going four innings, gave up two home runs, but he retired 12 of the 15 batters he faced, mm-hmm. 61 pitches, and Rocco said. That's good enough. We've got and this, these are his words: a well rested, fully rested bullpen. And so let's start running those guys out there in a close game. Still, by the way, when I think it was like a two to one game. Yes, going into uh, the the bullpen portion, it was. You're and and in fairness, he did bring in Griffin Jacks as one of their three or four best relievers to start the string. 
he gives up a bomb. And then Caleb Thielbar, who's just not effective at all this season, gives up like three or four runs. But here's what here's my point. The Twins bullpen has thrown the second most bullpen innings of any staff in the American League so far this season. And they only have like two or three truly reliable relievers. So you're you're telling me your strategy is to throw more innings than almost any bullpen in the American League, but with fewer reliable relievers than almost any bullpen in the American League. Yes. And it's and it's gonna work for you long term. It's not. And I'm sure they're somewhat aware of this, but they either need to move on a couple relievers via trade, especially a lefty at some point, or they need to let guys like Archer eat another inning or two when they've gone four sixty-one pitches. Okay, he gave up a couple home runs. He only allowed one other base runner. It, can, can you not get six innings and 90 pitches out of Chris Archer in that situation so that you're not running five relievers out there every single night? I don't really understand. Like, if they had a loaded bullpen, and it was the Yankees bullpen from a few years ago, where you just you just start bringing flamethrowers in in the third inning of a of a playoff game against the Twins. Like, okay, I get it, but you're not. You don't have a stacked bullpen, and so stop leaning on them to the degree that which you are. That's my biggest gripe right now. And this is where my biggest gripe across the board, and I'll bring another one to the table in a second, is the lack of common sense here too. Rocco has spent the past week whining and complaining about, I want a 14th pitcher, but today is a start where baseball says, and I, I'm on board, 13 and that's it, okay? So he's literally like, I mean, our guys are getting, are, are, they're going to be taxed. I mean, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So I thought with Bundy, he basically said, I've got to have guys extended. Like we have to get our starters in into a groove, not to pitch eight, but let's say pitch at least five. Oh my God, God forbid, perhaps six, right? So what they did on Saturday, I was like, oh, I started to get what you're doing here, Rocco. This makes sense. And then he comes back and allows Archer to throw four. I mean, five, I'm not asking for eight. I'm asking for five. I'm asking for six. But explain that. Like, you are spending all of your time complaining about the lack of an extra bullpen arm. And then you're you're saying, but our bullpen is rusted, so let's bring him in. Like, at some point in time, common sense says, Rocco, let's pitch this guy five. Yeah, I, I don't get it. It's not hard. It's, it's so bizarre. Again, if you if you had six, like, well, if you had Cleveland's bullpen, because Cleveland has, I think Cleveland has three guys with ERAs under two, and then they got another three or four guys with strikeouts per nine numbers through the roof above 12. And so they they probably have six or seven relievers that you could say, yeah, I think we can lean on those guys to go an inning or an inning and two thirds, and uh, and help this starter who had to be pulled after four or something. The Twins are willingly. It's not like the Twins are. Chris Archer's not getting rocked every time out. He's actually been pretty good in his little four inning chunks. But if, but if he's just going to be a four innings guy, and then you're going to have you know Dylan Bundy largely until this weekend be a four, five, six innings guy. Yes. Okay, that's 40% of your rotation just can't pitch past the fifth inning and your bullpen doesn't have reliable guys. I just I think I'm sure they're probably well aware of this, but I they need to either they either need starters who can give you more innings or they need two or three more reliable relievers. So, yep. We'll see what they do here in the next 5 or 6 weeks with the trade deadline. By the way, um different kind of performance issue, but if you're having performance issues, guys, maybe in the bedroom, don't be ashamed. In fact, our friends at Valley Park Medical Clinic are all about helping with breakthrough ED remedies to men in the greater Minneapolis area. The treatments are surgery-free, drug-free, and non-invasive. And the Valley Park Medical Clinic team 
is highly trained and will work with you in a discreet manner to make you feel right at home so you can ask any question in a professional and confidential environment, valleyparkmedicalclinic.com. Also, a shout-out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been around for over 100 years helping business owners with risk management, tools, resources, frontline protection to help maximize your business. Find out more, including a full list of industries Federated works with at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours, Judd. A flawed plan part two is my statement. All right. So, again, this comes back to the common sense coaching, okay? It's common sense. This is That's all this is. So, Byron Buxton on Friday, DHs. You're playing on turf now. I totally get this, too. Like, that's fine. On Saturday, he does not play. Okay, you know, I don't love that, but it is what it is to use a cliché. But then on Sunday, you're getting blown out 7-1, to one, and the game is over. The game is over. And you leave Buxton in. Why? That's an ideal time to, like with your plan, your plan tracks to take him out when the game is lost. And at 7-1, to one, that game was done. Celestino can go in and play. I don't care. But at 7-1, to one, Byron Buxton is going back to catch fly balls. And I think to myself... Okay, you're playing on turf, which by which I buy. Like I buy the thing. I don't want a guy like him with a knee problem uh, being exposed to playing on turf a ton. Grass is obviously a thousand percent preferable. But you just leave him in, like, oh, this is his day to play. Like, explain any of this to me. Help me. I kind of get it. I, I, I'm not. Listen, I I'm kind of done ripping them for this because it's working so far. He's, right. you know, top five in the league in home runs. I do think it's more about the buildup to, okay, if he's already done all these things to get ready, then, all right. Unless you're, unless you're saying, why don't you, if the game is out of hand, then pull him so he doesn't run into a fence or something. That's exactly. Like, I could, I'm I saying, could see that. Avo- I'm, I'm saying you are trying to keep him as healthy as possible, all right? Seven to one, there's no upside unless you think we're coming back. And look, if you watch the Twins' bullpen perform on Sunday, you didn't think they're coming back. That's what I'm saying. Like, you are trying to avoid him being hurt. At 7-1, to one, you have the opportunity to do that, and no one's going to bat an eye, and you don't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, no, I hear you. I hear you. I think in general, I, I had a lot of questions, and I'm glad that the questions eventually got answered by the Twins. Why is he not playing center field more? Why is his, you know, going back a month, month and a half? And, um, you know, he's got a... He's got a chronic knee issue. And so mm-hmm. to this point, I think the plan has worked. He has stayed off the injured list while still being effective. I mean, he's on pace to have like a, a five and a half, six wins above replacement season, which would be among the top 12 or 15 position players in all the baseball. So he's been even missing all this time, really valuable. Um, I agree with your nitpick in a blowout game. Let's just not risk twisting an ankle on first base or running into a fence or a left fielder. So. Generally, I think I'm I'm with you on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, any other statements from you? Any other twin statements or otherwise until we get to buffoon of the week here? I've got uh, at least one here. All right. It's this. The golf was fantastic. Saturday was great. Sunday was phenomenal, right? But my statement is this. And this was not Jim Nance because this uh, tournament obviously was on NBC. But my statement is, Stop talking. 
Stop <laughs> talking. So, so Matt Fitzpatrick, who was a great story. Like, I mean, it seems like a great kid. Won the tournament when he wins. His family is there. They're all sort of crying. And by the way, it's very clear that these that these golfers are conditioned now not to swear like they do at times, but they know that that there is going to be a mic and camera there. And so, like you you hear a lot of gosh darn it's and things like that. So there's not a bunch of f bombs. And Fitzpatrick wins this tournament, and it's a great moment just to sort of absorb and watch. And Dan Hicks gives us a history lesson at that point about his past and about the tournament and like you're literally watching him crying and hugging his brother and 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 like I'm watching this and I'm like this is awesome I don't at that point in time and this is one of my biggest pet peeves I don't need you as the announcer to put a signature on things Vin Scully was the master the master of shutting up and allowing the crowd and the moment to carry the picture. It's called television for a reason because you can see it. Like if this is if this is on PGA satellite, then I totally get it. You got to keep talking. But this was a special, really, really cool thing. Um, and I don't need your signature. I don't need you to talk while I'm watching this. What is just a fantastic moment to absorb? Stop talking. I think that's Dan Hicks Super Bowl, man. I mean, Dan Hicks. And he's got plenty is, of time, and is, he's good. Well, he's got the Olympics, and then the I think the U.S. Open and the Olympics are probably his two biggest events, right? And you know what? Events, right? He's really good, and, and he brings a ton. I'm not – he and Jim Nance are really good at what they do, but their need to talk at a moment where where silence <laughs> is absolutely golden drives me nuts. My only beef with the coverage over the weekend was it just felt like now they did they did do I think I think they had Rolex sort of sponsor the commercial free coverage down the stretch but the amount of commercials <laughs> taken during these majors is ridiculous and uh, and then they'll give you they'll give yes. you the playing through commercials which I think every commercial break should be playing through don't you want people more engaged oh we're gonna go to a commercial break but I get to keep watching golf and then I can kind of keep yeah. half an eye on your on your commercial, but it would seem like every six minutes they were breaking for, hey, I'm <laughs> for like sure a five they sold minute a commercial ton. break. I know. Anyway. I know. All right. I'm glad you brought up the tournament because it coincides with my buffoon of the week here every Monday on Mackie and Judd. And the buffoon of the week is really the buffoons of the week. So the biggest story has been uh, these guys jumping from the PGA Tour to the Live Golf Tour funded by Saudi blood money, right? Here, yeah. Phil Mickelson will give you $200 million to just uh, come on over here and shoot 80 uh, in the first tournament. So the Live Golfers, as compiled by SportingNews.com, shot plus 100 combined at the U.S. Open. Dustin Johnson was the top finishing Live Golfer, and he was tied for 24th. Only five of the, like, 15 made the cut. Mickelson, Oosthuizen, Kevin Na, Taylor Gooch, Sergio Garcia, Sean Norris, Sam Horsfield, Brendan Grace, uh, Jediah Morgan, and James Piat all missed the cut and didn't even play the weekend. DeChambeau was a train wreck over the weekend. So congratulations to these guys. They got their cash grab, and now they get to go play on these uh, these these obscure tournaments or whatever. Yep. But... Um, they're probably and now they're begging for world golf ranking classification too because the problem is they're not going to be they're going to be falling down the world golf tour or the world golf rankings because they're not playing on tour. Didn't they think of that? They're just like playing in these exhibitions basically. And which did, also if if they yeah. don't get certified as a world golf ranking 
measured tour, then yep. these guys, I think a lot of these guys might not qualify for some of the majors. So <laughs> was, be- was there any genuine beyond cash thought given to this entire thing? Like I get no, the I cash mean, ca- was thought ca- out. Cash, cash but was I mean, the thought. But I mean, wouldn't you have wanted to know things like, am I going to still get points? Am I still like, wouldn't you have asked those questions before you said, Hey, Greg Norman, absolutely. I'm going to join. I think if someone offers you a hundred million dollars or two hundred million dollars, I think you say yes if you're these if you're these guys and some guys turn it down. But I think you say yes and then worry about the logistics later. That's right. pretty much what's happening with this tour. Would you do it if you were one of these guys? I mean, Dustin Johnson has basically said, "I actually want to play less golf anyway." So this yeah, is I don't think jo- I don't think Dustin Johnson cares. Um, I think that this is going to bring about as ugly of end to Phil's career as possible because he's being exposed completely now. He looks like a bad guy. I, I think after he uh, failed to make the cut on Friday, he didn't do a press conference. He just left and like issued some statement. He's gained weight back. He's growing a beard. He looks, I mean, he just, I don't. So the one thing with Phil too is this. Phil's old. Phil's my age. Um so while I get his desire and potentially just his flat out need to get the influx of cash he's going to get, um, I am amazed he didn't give more thought to what this is going to mean to to the ultimate storyline. Because like he is a storyline guy, right? Like Phil is Phil's very concerned about how he, he's per- perceived. I mean, he is a marvelous fraud a, a lot of times because of his. Um, need to change or to shape the perception about him. So it's weird. I mean, he's going to go down in flames here. Like this is going, this is going to be bad. This is bad. I think, I think what's going to be really interesting is because he's, if he's playing like garbage, which he has been, is he worth $200 million to this live golf tour? Not anymore. He's like not, it, no. Initially he's a name, but if he keeps shooting 77 in these tournaments and yep. just not being in contention, was it still worth $200 million no. to get that much attention for six months or whatever? Probably not. But, I mean, he, hmm. he is a senior. He is nearing being a senior tour guy. Well, he he is, right? I mean, right. He's, but, I mean, his his play the past year or two years was, was sufficient to still be impressive. But, I mean, there's going to be just a cliff here. It's uh it's so interesting. AJ, are you a golf guy at all? Do you follow golf? A little bit. I, I think we we're talking about this last week. You and I kind of before a, a show, I I don't really watch like the first day or two, but late Saturday and late yesterday I had it on while I was here kind of doing some stuff. And then while, when I went, when I went home, I kind of watched the, the Zalatoris not, I'm not going to say fall apart, but no, he was actually know. amazing down the stretch. And yeah. He keeps finishing top five in these majors. It's so tough. We'll I saw somebody some saying, point. is he like the top golfer right now to just not win a thing? Yeah, because I don't think he's even won a PGA event at no, this point. I don't think so. But he's but he's one of the best major players in the world. <laughs> it's, he's it's, he's lights bizarre. out when he wants to be on his day, as some would say. But no, he just can't get over that hump. It's kind of hard to watch. Yeah. So I don't know who's. I, I'm I'm so curious to see because you know they're going to keep throwing money at guys, and if there's right now, it's kind of all the the malcontents. It's Dustin Johnson. It's right. Patrick Reed. It's Bryson DeChambeau. Phil Mickelson. Kevin Na has, you know, he's not really a malcontent, but he's people rip him for taking too long on the <laughs> over every shot stuff. So 
I don't know, but when, like, when are they going to get a guy? I don't think of Justin Thomas because those guys have already spoken out. But like, if they went to Justin Thomas at some point and said, "All right, dude, a billion dollars," they they offered Tiger Woods like nine hundred million dollars or something. What's the price point where you would say, "Okay, I'm good. <laughs> I'll leave all this this legacy it stuff that on, I've been protecting." I'm it good. depends pr- probably on my debt as well. Like if I have a lot well, of Mick, debt, Mick, that's what Mickelson like if I have a lot of debt, yeah. <laughs> like if let's say I gambled on sports a little bit too much and lost a ton. And now I, I owe lots of scary people. I'd probably say, OK, I'll take your money. <laughs> For me, it's it's got to come down. A big factor is just like where you are in your career, because if you are right. a seasoned vet and you've kind of done it all and you've won the green jacket and you have all this yeah, other Sergio. Stuff, yeah. yeah. You know, you don't really care. You're like, sure, I'll cash out. But if you're like a young up and comer, you just got on the tour. You want to hunt down these these, you know, courses that you've idolized and you've seen Tiger play all your life growing up. There's got to be a draw to okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the PGA. I, I'm gonna tough this out, and then maybe I make the transition down the road. But I I think that's probably a bigger factor than maybe people are thinking about. That's the Bryson conundrum because he's not that old. No. I don't even think he's 30 years old. And he's one, he's one of the five most compelling players on the tour. And, okay, if this thing kind of blows up in a year or two on the live tour, does the PGA tour open up? Now they should because he's interesting and he draws eyeballs. I bet they I would. I think the PGA is fronting a little bit here saying, yes. you guys have, are suspended forever or indefinitely. Yes. It's like, okay, that's – if Bryson DeChambeau <laughs> wants to come back in two years, you're telling me you don't want him hitting 380-yard bombs off the tee, you know? On on CBS, and on he Saturday. is a and he he is a great bad guy too. He's a fantastic bad guy because he's yeah. just a jerk. Yeah, but it's but like but he's, he's good kind of a charming it. jerk. He's he's a, he's a classic wrestling heel, and that he's Patrick Reed to me is sort of is like go away heat, as they say in wrestling, where he, he's he's not like a charming jerk. He's just a jerk, and and there's other guys like that too. But Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau are sort of the you know, the, hey, I'll smile in front of the cameras and uh, show you this side of my personality, but you know that they're really actually a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> and DeSham- the scenes. DeShambo, I think, is probably good for golf just because the whole thing between him and uh, Brooks Kepka that probably drew such a young crowd, like, because mm-hmm. a lot of people golf, but not a lot of people, like, watch golf, I feel like. Not as many as they want. Uh, same thing with baseball. Like, kids play baseball, but they don't watch the nationals and the Phillies on Wednesday night. So I having like that kind of drama, that storyline behind it, I think benefits the PGA and they know that there's eyes to, you know, that are going to watch that actually develop. So Judd watches the nationals and Phillies on a Wednesday night. I know he does that for sure. He absolutely does. Ah, just a little bit. Sometimes I dip in a little (laughs) bit, but uh, depends on, on pace of play and starters as well. (laughs) Starters are very important to me. Yeah, amazing. All right, that's uh, that's Mackie and Judd's statements here on this Monday. AJ filling in for Declan, who's uh, he's his vacation's over, but he's taking the, the the very wise day of recovery after the vacation day today. It's the Rocco day. The Rocco day. It's yes. the Rocco oh, day. <laughs> got to stay off my Kirilov, feet. Kirilov got the Rocco day on Friday, didn't he? I mean, they had the off day on Thursday. Yep. They sh- they could have easily have planned Kirilov coming into Phoenix on Thursday or Friday. And am I right? Kirloff did not start on. He Friday, didn't start, but right? I think I think it was because uh, Madbum was starting, and they didn't want. They, they claimed fair, that they fair. didn't want a a uh, to put him in against the southpaw. That's what they claimed. Okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. 
I get with but that. But Declan yeah. is definitely on the Rocco day today. <laughs> uh, over on Purple Daily, so last week was all about the the Mackie rankings, the top twenty current Vikings. This week's all about the Judd rankings. First of all, you're going to swap five in and out for what my ranking should look like next year, mm-hmm. and then you have ranked the top twenty five all time Minnesota Vikings, yeah, and we're going to go through that all week long. Controversial. I'll just yes leave it at that. So uh, be be checking that out. And thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Score North and Purple Daily YouTube channels. We appreciate you guys. Daily Minnesota sports entertainment. Mackie and Judd.